Hi, my name is Dylan Reinhold, and um, I could best describe myself as a prodigal son. I grew up in the church. I went to a private Christian school. I started uh, making some poor decisions and slowly started praying less and less, reading my Bible less and less, taking God out of my life little by little. Jesus was just an afterthought to me. I was hollow and dead on the inside, and by the grace of God, I got accepted to George Fox University, a private Christian school down in Newburgh, Oregon, and I saw this as a great chance for me to really build back up the relationship uh, with Jesus that I had forsaken, but that's not exactly what happened. It was at George Fox that I was actually living my most sinful life. That there's so many moments that I can think of where God was reaching out to me through professors or fellow students. I always felt like it was God reaching out to me saying, you know, um, come home. Oftentimes I called on the name of Jesus to deliver me from my anxiety and depression. And he did every time. He never, he never forsaked me. I kept turning my back on him, even after he saved me every time. You know, I can't imagine how much that hurt God. Despite all that, he still never stopped saving me and still never stopped pursuing me. This year, I, I decided to make a change. Um, and we had this family vacation that came up um, in the middle of January where we went to Hawaii for a week. During that whole trip, I was just really pressing into God, praying every day. Come the second to last day of our trip, I had this just divine epiphany, uh, godly encounter in the middle of the ocean. God was telling me that, that this paradise is only like a small fraction of what I'd be able to experience in a life with him. Memories of every time that God delivered me, every time that he saved me, I, I just remembered all of those times almost instantaneously in one moment. And I was just completely overwhelmed um, by God's love. I, I couldn't say no anymore. I committed um, to him that I would start going to church uh, at the end of the service when Pastor Peter asked, those to stand who were willing to leave their old life behind and, and go full in. Nothing could keep me from standing up. I'm just at a place where I'm finally ready to um, plant those roots and uh, build my foundation and uh, lead a life that, that would make him proud. I like Dylan. He's a good guy, and he's serving in ministry and asking questions and growing like a weed, and I love what he said. God never stopped pursuing me. Uh, listen, God is pursuing you today. Isn't that true? And God wants to speak to you at all times, and so I love what God is doing in our midst, and I appreciate uh, Dylan sharing his story, and I'm excited to see what, what God's call in his life is. Whether you grew up in church or not, whether you have a solid background or not, you can start where you are today and move forward in, an, in a fresh way. And um, that's what I hope to do today. Um, you know, yesterday is yesterday. I'm going to start today, and I want God to teach me something new in my life today. 
and to use me in a new way today um, because I don't want to live in the past. I think God has great things in the future. And so let's believe that and, and go for that today. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you. I am very grateful today. I married a highly capable woman who's more than a pretty face, who's a great mom to my kids. So that's cool. And my mom is in this service. And listen to this. My mom believed in the call of God on my life when I didn't. Isn't that cool? And how important is that uh, to believe and speak life into your kids and what God's going to do in their future? So today is a great day. Uh, make sure you take a family picture if you have family with you or, or a friend with you in the, in the lobby, all right? If you have a Bible today, you can turn to Luke chapter 10 today. The message is entitled, uh, Loving Large, all right? Loving Large. And uh, really the reality is this, that there's this phrase in life called living large, and people who live large have an expense account, and they have monies and parties and exotic travel and important friends and yachts and clothes and a large home, and they make big deals because they're a big deal. It's kind of like my life, really, if you really want to think about it. That's what... But though most of us can't live large, we can all love large. Does that make sense? Uh, we may not be able to live large, and it might not even be good to live large if that's the definition, but we can love large no matter what we have or who we are or what we've gone through. We can love people deeply, powerfully, passionately in our lives. We can serve and help and sacrifice and provide and adopt and give in so many ways. And I hope that today you're one of those people that loves people uh, with just a large, with extravagance uh, in, in the Lord, all right? If you have a Bible, um, Luke chapter 10. Now, I got to warn you, um, I, I'm preaching from the NIV today, and I grabbed this Bible, and I didn't realize the font is really small on it, and it's been a few years since I read from it. So I hope I can still pick it all up. Uh, I might be like this as I read today. Uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? Be good. No, it doesn't say that. Be, be good, go to heaven. It doesn't say that. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, church, we call that the great commandment. Jesus said, love God with all your heart and love others, or love your neighbor, right? And he says, Jesus said, you answer correctly, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus told a parable or a story with a purpose. And he said, a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, which was a 17-mile dirt road, when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite or another temple worker, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side and avoided him. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He went to the suffering and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. <clears throat> the next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense beyond this that you may have. Which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law had to admit and replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. 
Lord, I pray today that you would take this message, this scripture, Lord, take our hearts and our minds, whatever's going on in our world, take this gathering online and in person and use it, God, to strengthen, lengthen, and deepen our faith. Lord, I pray we'd hear your voice, Holy Spirit, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, a man recognized that there was something wrong with his body, so he went to the doctor. They referred him to a specialist, and they ran all sorts of tests. And after the tests came, they came up with a diagnosis, and it was very serious. Uh, the lead doctor said to the guy's wife, we are very sad to tell you, but your husband has a very rare disease, and if it is left untreated, he will die, and he will die very quickly. The doctor said, there's good news. With intense therapy and a lot of help from you, we believe he can be healed. The challenge is he will need a very strict diet. You will have to cook for him every single meal, three meals a day. He also has, a, has to have an environment that's kept completely clean. That means you'll need to be available to him nonstop. It'll take more from you than you could ever imagine. But if you will cook for him and clean for him and be there to serve him and do this over an extended period of time, your husband will live. She walked out of the, to the waiting room where her husband was anxiously praying. And nervously, he asked a question, what did the doctor say? And the woman responded, the doctor had bad news. You're going to die. And the question, of course, is this, what are we willing and what are we unwilling to do? And are we honest about that in our lives? So the setting and the understanding of Jesus' story, when this man says, who is my neighbor? and wants to justify himself, this religious uh, leader. Jesus tells a story, and the story bothers the crowd. You may not be bothered when you hear it. You might be like, yeah, we need to care for hurting people, right? But when this crowd heard this story, they're like, what do you mean that the religious uh, crowd was contrary to love. What do you mean that the people that were supposed to love God didn't, lo didn't love their neighbor and, in fact, avoided him? And what could you possibly mean that a Samaritan, a man whose family used to be fully Jewish, but now they're kind of half descent and they've intermarried with the world and, and they've watered down the faith, what are you saying that a Samaritan, one of those watered-down believers, actually loved people more than the church crowd? It's offensive, Jesus, that she would even tell us this story. I think we need to remember something really important, church, and I want to drive it home today in a way that you understand. When Jesus says, love others, serve others, uh, believe in others, what all those things that he says about laying down your life for people around you, like he meant it. And we can't say, I'm good with God, I just don't like people, right? Like this relationship, as we heard last week, affects this relationship and vice versa. And it's a big deal. And so if we're here today, we've got to understand something really, really important. And here's what it is. Uh, and I want to say it strongly so you get it. Jesus is obsessed with how you treat others. I mean, he's obsessed with how you treat strangers, he, he, he is highly concerned with how you treat hurting people. And Jesus is obsessed with how you treat your coworkers and your boss. And he's really obsessed about how you treat your family. Because you love them and want to strangle them in the same day. Right? And sometimes you kind of go, well, you know, I love God. I need to treat people pretty well. I mean, it's kind of important. Like, no, no, no. He's obsessed with how you treat other people. He's watching how you treat other people, even when no one else is watching. And by the way, we're all watching how you treat other people, especially the younger generation. 
We see that. We watch that. Jesus is obsessed with those things. Do unto others as you would have them done unto you. Treat others like you would want to be treated. This is important to Jesus. And so the man asks this question, and Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? And he comes up with the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love uh, your neighbor as yourself. I saw it on a t-shirt, and I've lived it for the last two and a half years. Love God, love people, serve the world. If you love God, if you genuinely love God, you don't just say it, but you really love God, and then you will automatically love people. And if you genuinely love people, then you will automatically serve the world around you. Because you're not going to love the world around you and not serve them. So love God, love people, and serve the world. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. Not just that you will live here, but you will live on in eternity, right? So I'm going to challenge you with this. Love large and you will live. If you live large, you may not live on. But if you love large, you will. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he says, well, who exactly is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells him the story about the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, attacked by robbers. They leave him half dead, beaten up. And then two religious dudes pass by on the other side of the street and it won't help. What is God saying to you and me today through this pretty well-known passage of Scripture? I'm going to give you five truths, and I'm going to encourage you to take notes today. I think this is important for all of us to hear. The first one is this. Number one, people who love large hold their plans loosely. People who love large hold their plans loosely. They don't say, they don't give them the morning and go, I know what I'm going to do today. And if God or anybody else has any interruptions, tough, because I've got my plans. You can't live that way. You can't say, I'm going to do what I want to do today. Because there's all sorts of divine appointments all around you. There's all sorts of hurting and broken people around you. And so people who really love large, they understand that they got to hold their plans loosely. Uh, Things change. Something's going to come up. Don't be so busy. Don't be so full of yourself and your calendar and your plan that you miss what God wants to do. Be ready for what God has for you. Listen, there's all kinds of reasons uh, to avoid helping someone. I don't want to get involved. Maybe my safety is at risk. I have a schedule to keep. And I want to share something with you that I think is so, so powerful and profound if we really grasp it. Here it is. The most significant thing that you do this week probably isn't on your schedule. The most powerful moment of your day tomorrow is probably not on your calendar. There's a divine appointment waiting to happen. God's going to use you to help someone, to pray with someone, to do something incredible that's going to reverberate for eternity, and it's not on your calendar. And that's, that's okay, and that's good. Be prepared for that. Live with that understanding. Man, I hope to God there's powerful divine moments in my week ahead. I don't want to go, my week is basically what I make it. That just sounds kind of empty to me. I want, I want God's plan for my week. I want to see what he's got in store for my life this week. I shared once before, I sold a crib. Our kids grew out of their crib, and I I sold their crib on Craigslist. That's what you did in those days. And a a guy came to pick up this baby crib. It was pretty large, and he he drove up in this huge lifted pickup truck, and he's a soldier, and he gets out. And we lift up the crib, and we throw it in the back of his truck, and he gives me some money. And I said, "Hey, hey, what's your story? He said, man, I'm getting divorced from this awful woman. I hate her. And we have this baby together. And so I get the baby, you know, a little bit. So I have to have a place for the baby to sleep. So that's why I drove down from Renton to Lacey to buy a crib from you. I'm like, bro, like, you could have just got one in Renton, right? But maybe there's a reason he's in my driveway. He's actually parked out on the sidewalk. And I said, you know, uh, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. And I said, 
I got some friends in Renton have an amazing church. Would you ever consider going? And I told him the church, and I told him where it was. He said, I think I know about that church. And I said, you know, if I could just press you a little further, would it be okay if we just prayed right here on the sidewalk? And he was, okay. Because here's a soldier, giant lifted truck, baby crib in the back, hating his life, mad at his baby's mom. And we just prayed for a softening of his heart and a restart of his life on the sidewalk. Wasn't on my calendar that day, but it was the best moment of my day. Maybe there's stuff like that happening all around us. If we're just keeping our spiritual antenna up, right? God wants to do great things in our lives. Don't plan your day so full that you miss it. Hold your plans loosely. Warren Bullock, one of my mentors, said, my interruptions are my ministry. I understand that there's so much more that's going to happen in my day than I know, t- I know this morning. The Samaritan said this as he traveled, um, came to where the man, but Samaritan as he traveled came to where the man was, and when he saw him, the Bible says he took pity on him. Let me give you point number two. The second truth is this. People who love large, they step outside of their circle. They step outside of their circle. In fact, they have this ability because the love of God is so great in them that they want to love others and they put themselves in other people's shoes. Anybody do that? What a powerful thing to stop and go, hey, instead of my perspective, what's it, what's it like being in their perspective? What's it like being 10 years old in the world today? What's it like being a teenager today? What's it like being 88 years old and have your body failing you today? Maybe I should put myself in your shoes. What was it like to be raised in a home where everything was religious, but nobody really knew the Lord? People who love large, they step outside of their circle. They have compassion and mercy over others. And those are in shorter and shorter supply, it seems like, in the world today. Listen, don't let the world make you jaded and callous. Keep putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. There was a moment uh, I hired Pastor Lauren right out of college. And I think she was 22 years old. She graduated from college. She's trying to be a pastor, trying to figure out God's call in her life. And she moves to Lacey. And she knows like nobody. She knows like Stacy and I. And we've only known her for like a couple months. And I remember she came in and she was trying to find an apartment in Lacey. And her parents helped move her down. And I was talking to her parents. And, and it wasn't a moment, you know, it was a big deal to Lauren. But it was a big, big deal to me. Because suddenly I put myself in her, her dad's shoes. And I had a little girl at the time, and I thought, you know, someday my daughter's going to grow up, and she's going to move somewhere else, and somebody's going to be her boss. And if she's going to be called to be like a pastor or something, imagine saying, hey, I'm going to take my kid, drop her off with these people named Peter and Stacy Degon, who may or may not love her, and a church, listen, some churches chew pastors up and spit them out. And I put myself in, in her parents' shoes, and I looked at them, and I just said, hey, I just want you to know something. We're going to take good care of your daughter. We're going to look out for her. She's going to be okay here. She's going to have a great experience with us. And I meant it. Because it's important to stop and put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Imagine if that, that's going to be my situation someday. Listen, do that in your life. Realize what other people are going through. Don't be so stuck on what's happening in your mind that you don't understand what's happening with people all around you in their minds, in their lives. Um, step outside of your circle. Number three is this. The third truth is this. People who love large bend down to help. They bend down to help, especially when others are in need. I'll never forget this time. We were at this church gathering. There was people everywhere. And this special needs woman comes up to me, and she, she can't talk really well, and she can't walk really well. I don't remember if she was walking or if she was in a power chair at this moment. But all I remember is this. is She mumbled, Pastor Peter, I can't tie my shoes. 
It took me a second to fully understand what she said, and I looked at her with a crowd of people all around, and I just dropped down, and I began to like tie her shoes for her because they were falling off. And I felt kind of uncomfortable. People were kind of bumping into me, and I was down there. They're like, what are you doing down there on the ground? I'm like, well, I'm tying this, this woman's shoes. She can't reach them herself, you know. And here's the reality. Tying that woman's shoes is not in my job description. But tying that woman's shoes is my job description, right? We're going to put ourselves in other people's shoes, and we're going to care for them. We're going to be servants like Jesus. We're going to love large, and sometimes that puts you in awkward moments. They bend down to help others. The scripture says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the best western and asked them to take care of him. Everyone hearing Jesus that day and today was probably like, Jesus, this is overkill. This is, this is like carrying on steroids, and it's too much to ask of us. Like taking your own money, your own time, and bending down to help strangers. Like, that's, that's crazy. We can't do that. It even says the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him, and when I return, I will give you any extra expense. I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that he may have. Dude, you don't say this in business. You don't do that. Oh, well, in that case, um, he needs the adjustable bed and extra bandages, and he needs the platinum stitching package. Um, you know, that, that innkeeper could have milked him for all he's worth, right? And he just says, no. Listen, um, People who love large bend down to help. They put themselves in somebody else's shoes and they care for them, even if nobody else does. Number four is this. People who love large live generously. They live generously. They don't just give generously, but they live generously, right? They, 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 they're generous with their time. They're generous with their words. And they're generous, generous with their resources in this life. The Samaritan probably would have used his own clothing to make bandages, his own wine and, and oil as disinfectant and, and lotion. And the question always has to be asked of us, is the stuff that I own, is the stuff that you own or you think you own in this life, is it available for God to use? Or is it just yours? Man, I will, I will never think again about money after I really understood the parable of the talents. And Jesus says, man, the one that was given five doubled it. The one that was given two doubled it. And the one that was given one went and buried it in the ground and did nothing with it. And the point is so clear. Whatever God has entrusted with you, whether it's a little or a lot, God expects you to do something with what he's entrusted to you. The worst thing you can do is nothing. Make sure you do something with what God has given to you. The days, the hours, the gifts, the talents, the money, all of that. Listen. Generosity is not a condition of your wallet. It's a reflection of your heart. There are poor people that are generous. There are rich people that are generous. There are poor people that are not generous, and there are rich people that are not generous. It's a reflection of your heart. A thought came to me just today, and I thought it was kind of cool. Everybody runs out of money when they die. Think about that. It's kind of an equal playing field. He's dead and he's dead. They're both broke. They're both not taking anything with them. Your chance to change the world, do something great, especially for God, uh, with your money expires with you. So I had this thought today, like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, and Peter Dagon all die with the same amount of money. It's nothing, but it's the same, right? You don't get to take anything with you. 
So do something great for God with your resources while you can, with what he's entrusted to you. Listen, you can't do everything, and no one's asking you to, but you can do something. And for some of us, God has blessed us, blessed our lives. We can do something really significant. Stacey and I are writing a check for $1,000 beyond our normal giving to this debt reduction because our church has, has a fairly significant debt load. And we thought, we can't ask other people to give and not give ourselves can't be all about our family, our kids going to college. We have to sacrifice too. We got to give. And, and there's something joyful about saying, you know what, God, I, I'm, I'm going to be a part of your miracle story. Uh, I think if you walk through this town and you went to some of the cemeteries, you would see names. And you'd walk by a headstone. And it might say like Henderson. And you might be like, who's that guy? You know, this guy Henderson, he, he might have he built churches. He might have funded missionaries. He might have laid up a lot of capital in the kingdom of heaven. And all of us walking by, we don't, know, we don't know him from nobody else, but God does. The scripture's so clear, man. When you give to the Lord, it is credited to you in heaven. And man, I, I don't want to build my kingdom here. I want to I build God's kingdom there. Um, people who uh, love large, they live generous lives. Live a generous life in your life. Jesus says, which of these three do you think uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Gee, that's a hard one, Jesus. And the expert in the law, the religious man, doesn't even want to say the name Samaritan. He says the one who had mercy on him. It's almost like he can't even bring himself to say a Samaritan outpaced the church. And so he says, well, the one who had mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Listen, let the church be people who live generous lives. If you're a young person today, I want to let you in on a secret. The people who win in this life, the people that have joy in this life, the people that die happy in this life are the people that are givers, not the takers. Literally, if you're 18 or younger, you're like, man, the people that take in this life get the most. You are wrong, 100% wrong. The people that get to the end of this life with joy, significance, they're people that have been giving their whole lives and they enjoy it. And God multiplies it and blesses it. Make a decision while you're young. I'm going to be a giver. And I'm going to enjoy this life. That wasn't all in my notes, but that's free, all right? <laughs> Number five, people who love large don't expect applause. They don't expect applause. We're not living for this life. We're not, we don't need attention. We don't need the people around us to understand all that we did. God knows, and that's enough. We're living to please the Lord. We don't need the applause of men in this life. Only when life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. The scripture says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. The Lord will repay you or reward you for those that you help. You can't do everything, but you must do something. You must do something. And listen, you don't have to be uh, rich to love large. Love large. Have a reputation. Man, that guy's so loving. A woman is just so loving. Like the world around you, sometimes they don't know that church people are loving. Sometimes they think the opposite. So go and set an example in the way that you love people. So what is love? My entire life, I will say three things about what love is. I think they're all three on the screen. There might be one at a time. Go ahead and put them up if you will. Uh, first of all, love is sacrifice. Love is sacrifice, isn't it? Like when you lay down your life for someone, uh, you, the people that you love, you bless them, you invest in them, you give to them. The reason why you lay down your life for your family is because you love them, and love is sacrifice. God's gonna call you to sacrifice for others. You work a job that you don't like. Why? Because you love your family. You get up in the middle of the night to change a diaper. Why? Because you love your kid. Love is laying down your wants and your desires because you have concern for someone else. 
Love is not a feeling. Love is a conscious decision you make. Love is a choice that you make in this life. I hate it when somebody says, well, I love them because they're my family. Well, you may just assume because you're family you love them, but love is an action. Love is a choice. Maybe you don't love them. Show love if you love. Be a person of action. Make that your choice, your decision in your life. This man in Jesus' story, he sacrificed his plans. He had places to go. He didn't want to get stuck out there. He had a schedule to keep just like everybody else. But he reordered his life in order to show love to another. He sacrificed his health. How about this one? Um, He has to walk and the nearly dead guy gets to ride the donkey. You can't go help and make the nearly dead guy walk while you ride your donkey. You have to give up your spot, your health in that moment. He sacrificed his possessions, his clothing, his own oil and wine. The stuff that he owned didn't belong to him. He had a higher purpose for it. He sacrifices money, two days wages to the innkeeper. Who does this? Who loves like this? Who sacrifices like this? Listen, here's the reality. If you will live for God, if you will love others, you will have significance, you will have fulfillment and joy that the world cannot offer. You can't buy that significance. You can't buy that joy. You can't buy that fulfillment that you get when you live for God and you love God and you love others. It comes because you love God, that fulfillment. And there are wealthy people seeking joy and significance and fulfillment that poor people have. Man, live for God, love like Jesus. God's going to take care of all the rest. So these five truths I want to share with you today, I want to put them back on the screen. It's a great moment to take notes or maybe even take a picture of this. And I think this is important. I think God wants to speak to you about one of these. Listen, people who love large, they hold their plans loosely. I got to just pause. During worship, I felt a prophetic word that I'm supposed to say today. And I felt it was for somebody online, but maybe also somebody here. And you've made the decision to yield your, your spirit to God's spirit to yield your spirit to God's spirit. And God says, hey, come up there to that line. Slow down, look right, and look left before proceeding in your life. And I don't know if that's a relationship or a job or a move, but yield your spirit to God. You've already told God, I will yield my spirit to you. He wants you to slow down, look to your right, and look to your left before proceeding. If that's you, slow down, listen to God. He may have something for you today. Second one is this, people who love large, they step outside their circle. They put themselves in somebody else's shoes, somebody else's perspective. They love uh, large and they bend down to help, even people who can't pay them anything back. People who love large, they live generously. They don't just give generously, but they live their entire lives with a generous spirit. And people who love large, they don't expect the applause of men. They're living to honor God. I want to pray today and say, Lord, help us to love like you love. Because no one lays down their life like the Lord does for you. And no one forgives like the Lord does for you. And no one supplies for needs like the Lord does for you and me. Can we bow our heads for a moment? If you don't consider yourself a generous person, let's just just start over today. Let's decide today, I'm going to start 
being a generous person. If it doesn't come natural to you, that's fine. You can start it anyways. Loving large pastor, isn't that kind of for women? No. Lay down your life. Sacrifice. Make the choice. Love people when they're rude to you. Love people when they're family and it hurts and they should know better, but they don't. Love people who reject you. Have good boundaries. But live this life loving deeply, loving large. Don't live large, love large. And anybody can do that. So Holy Spirit, in this moment, teach us to love like you. It's hard for the people of earth, for humans to love like God. But Lord, remind us through all our relationships, strangers, coworkers, family, hardships, sacrifice, that we win if we choose to love like you.
about your family. There's probably some wounds, some scars, some heavy things your family's lifting that you don't know anything about. If they're going through junior high or high school, if they're four and they don't understand. The young people, there's things your parents are carrying, their jobs and their unfulfilled dreams that you don't know anything about. And it's hurtful and it's hard. But God sees all of that for all of us. We're gonna pray this morning. And if you're here today and God's just speaking to you, maybe ministering to you today, would you stand to your feet and just say, Lord, I know you're talking to me and I'm so glad. All across this room, if that's you, God just ministering to you, touching you, would you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray. Just everybody's gonna stand in a moment, but if you're here and you're like, I feel like God speaking and ministering to me. Maybe even today you're hearing his voice and making a commitment to do something. Would you stand? Awesome. The rest of us, why don't we go ahead and stand too as we pray. Come on, let's seek the Lord together. God, you are so powerful. Your spirit can cut through all the distractions and talk to us and minister to us. Lord, you can remind us what really matters in life. And we don't want to miss, we don't want to miss the whole purpose of life. God, we don't want to collect stuff and we don't want to get through the day. We don't want to have broken relationships. And even if people reject us, we want to be people that love large anyways. God, if anybody here is trying to live large and today you said stop living large, just love large. Just give and serve and have the fulfillment, the joy, and the significance that the world is seeking after. And Lord, today, if we have a relationship, God, that breaks our heart, if there's someone, God, who's died and we won't see them again until eternity, God, bring compassion, bring help, bring, bring hope to the brokenhearted, God, today. And Lord, you are so big and so amazing. And all the things that we're trying to do, God, for others, you've already done them for us. And so we're just replicating you, trying to love the world, trying to love our family the way the Lord loves me. God, thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church this Mother's Day? Man, God is good. God is here. There's a few things. If you're a guest, make sure you go by the guest kiosk outside there. There's also the women's conference, a place to take a, pic- a picture, and you can sign up for softball by the elevator. All right. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.